Good morning. Man, I am thankful for a, a house full today. Uh, when we look at uh, the flu season that's, that's happening, that is upon us, right? We're thankful that we can even be here this morning. Amen? Amen. That's right. Hey, uh, we are back. You know, we started a couple weeks ago uh, revisiting the gospel. And here was the, here was the premise of this series was that we, we just may have believed in the wrong gospel. Uh, we may have believed in a false gospel that may have set us on our path of belief. Now, usually this false gospel that, that we may have believed, as we said before, was, was not that it was really twisted. It was just that maybe we didn't get the fullness of it. And that a partial gospel was the same thing as a false gospel. Because listen, what we, what we think about the gospel depicts how we live our lives while we're still here, right? We know that, that we are here for only a short time and that this is not our home, that we are just, we are ambassadors here. We are foreigners in a foreign country. That, that this is not our home, that our home is actually heaven, and that's where our address is at. But for the time being, we have our mail forwarded to here. And how we live that out is determined by what gospel we believed. Now, let's, let's even break it down further than just the gospel, because sometimes we throw gospel around everywhere, Right? And we try to figure out what that is. Gospel, good news, right? The gospel is just the good news. Now, that seems simple in saying that, but the hard part is, is we could spend a lifetime looking at what that good news is and still not grasp every bit of it, right? Even even Paul wrote that the angels longed to look into it. That even the angels are sitting back going, man, I just, uh, I can't believe this. I can't believe what God has done, right? So even the angels do not grasp it fully. So we are crazy to think that we will fully grasp it in our time here, right? But we can grasp enough that takes us on to heaven and how we're supposed to live here today, all right? So listen, this morning, I want us to turn in our Bibles. I want us to turn to Luke chapter 9. And if you use your phone, grab it at the time. Use your Bible app, however you look at the Word of God. As I've said before, if you're old school and you got your scroll, then break out your scroll right now. Whatever you got. Right? Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. And staying in verse 23. It's the only verse we're going to read this morning from Luke. Says this, then he, Jesus, said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, this was one of those verses that a couple weeks ago, when we were throwing out our favorite verses, that was kind of the counter to that, right? It was probably in that list that I began listing off all these things that that Jesus said about following him. And today, we, we look at a verse like that, and, and again, we may get a lot like Thomas Jefferson and go, hey, 
you know, that verse I'd kind of like to have out of my Bible. So let me just take the scissors and clip that one out because I really don't want to talk about taking up my cross daily. I really don't want to deny myself anything. And uh, I really, I don't know that I want to follow Jesus, but I sure like the idea of Jesus. So let me just snip that one out. All right? Uh, see, that's what happens. That's that false gospel I was talking about, that if we don't get the fullness of it, we have gotten a false gospel. And, and here's what is happening today, is that we are also taking many other verses, and there are preachers, and I'll use that term very loosely, because they are preaching something other than what Jesus intended. They are taking those verses. Do you guys remember that, that we can pull a verse out of its context and we can basically make it anything we want it, right? If we pull it out of its context. And, and I want to look at some of the next verses here. Let's look at that next one, Cindy. James 4.2 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm not that quick. There we go. Sorry, John 10, 10. I'm looking at the red line on the bottom that you guys can't see. Listen, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, here's what's happening today. Preachers are taking that verse right there. And they're not really twisting it. They're just saying, that's the gospel. That Jesus came so that you could have life abundantly. Now, what abundantly means is you can have money. You can have stuff. You can have health, right? Prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel is being preached these days as the gospel. And it's completely false. Right? When... When we pull that out of context, when we look at the next one, we look at James 4, 2. And it says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Some preachers would say, listen, you don't have healing because you haven't prayed for it. You hadn't had enough faith to get it. Listen, you don't have that new house because you haven't prayed for it in faith. You haven't sowed that seed of faith to get that yet. Some of them on TV would say it also because you hadn't sent me my part. If you send me my part, I'll send you this little cloth that I have prayed over and you'll get whatever you want with this little cloth. False gospel. See, they'll take that and they'll say you have not because you, you, do, you haven't asked. And that's pulling that verse out of context. Because later on it says that, that you ask for the wrong reasons and, and you, you ask for this stuff for your own desires and that's never going to happen. God's never going to do that. Right? We look at the next one in Mark 10. He says, so Jesus answered and said assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels. So G- roll on. Who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time? Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children in lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. Now, some would say, listen, here's what you need to do. 
You send me $10 because this is what, this is what Scripture says. You send me $10, you're going to receive 1000 back. Somehow you're going to receive a check in the mail. How many have seen them on TV where there's those women that say, I gave a faithful gift, my seed of faith, and I gave it, and I, I gave them my last $10, and I received a check the very next week for $50,000. You guys seen that? Right? They're, they're selling this as, listen, this, that's what the Scripture says. You give $1,000, you receive $100,000. Prosperity gospel. You sow into my ministry, and guess what? God's going to bless you for it. We see it all over, all over on the TV. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, and that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Wow. I didn't know Jesus was doing that for me. It says that Jesus was rich and he became poor so that me that's poor can become rich. Now, if we just read that verse, how would we think about that? Funny, right? It's nothing what that's talking about. Listen, Jesus owns everything. Not not only money, he owns the earth, he owns everything. He created everything. He is the ruler of everything. And he's not talking about money here. Listen, it says Jesus was the king of kings, and he set that aside to become a servant for you and I and to die on a cross for you and I so that we could one day be a child of God. There's the transaction that that's talking about. But listen, if I was a prosperity preacher, I'd turn that around and I'd say, listen, Jesus became poor so you could become rich. And now that you're rich, you need to invest that in in our ministry here. And what you need to do is so that you'll get it tenfold back. Or a hundredfold back, the scripture would say. Right? So there's prosperity gospel that we see. How about Malachi? Here's, Here's the really good. Here's the one that preachers love right here. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Now, if we pulled that verse out of context, what would we think? Let me get this right. So if I give my 10% of tithes, if I be a good tither, then the Lord's going to bless me that my bank account won't even hold it. It's going to blow up. Regions is going to call me and they're going to say, hey, you got to quit putting money in here. It won't hold no more. Man, you must tithe at your church. It's not what that's saying. Do, do we know that that's even, that, that is talking about the priests back in the day, the Levites. They were saying that, that people was not bringing their food so that the priests could do just priestly work and, 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 and just do priestly work and that's it. No. See, these priests, wasn't, there wasn't enough food coming in, so they had to go out and they, the priests had to go out and farm just so that they could eat. So then, guess what? If they're out farming, what can they not be doing? Priestly duties. That's what that verse is all about. But listen, when we need a good campaign to get the tithes up, we break out Malachi. So that we can start teaching people, hey, if you'll just give to the church, man, I'm telling you, you'll be blessed. 
You'll be blessed. Again, your bank account can't hold it if you just start tithing. Prosperity gospel. How about the best one? Jeremiah 29, 11. We know this one, right? We used this one a couple weeks ago for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Remember we talked about that, that that was about the captives in Babylon back in that day. And it was 70 years before they seen the fruition of that. Right? So when he said prosper, it meant to listen, I'm going to call you out of captivity. But that was 70 years from the time that he said that. So sometimes we have to wait 70 years before we get what God's planning for us. See, that goes against the prosperity gospel. Goes totally against it. So here's what I want us to do. And when we hear this, when we hear this type of gospel preached, we can easily go, that's right, that's wrong. Right? Can we agree with that? Many of us in here, we go, hey, we, we know what kind of gospel that is. That's some of that Creflo dollar stuff. Right? That's when Creflo wants his jet. That's some of that. And I don't want to say, again, we never want to condemn brothers, but it's but listen, there's 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 preachers being preaching some fine stuff on, on TV that sounds really good. But it's just part of the gospel. It's just part of it. It's just telling you, hey, you can have your best life now. You just gotta pray for it. And you gotta with faith now, and it's gotta be strong faith, because if you don't have strong faith, it ain't gonna work. See, there's our catch. For when you come back and go, hey, preacher, that just didn't work for me. Well, you must not have had enough faith. So I want us to look at something. I'm afraid that even we that, that know what a false gospel, the prosperity gospel is, that we have even clinged a little bit to it. That's what I want to look at today. And I'm going to look at four different areas that I want us to look at to kind of dig into our souls and go, do we maybe believe a little bit of that? And has our lives, do we live our lives because we believe a little bit of that? And here's the things I want to look at today. One is suffering. Two, who God is. Three, what does our worship look like? And four, what is the object of our affection? First one, suffering. Listen, when suffering, is there anybody in here that has escaped some suffering in this life? I didn't think that I'd get an amen or a raised hand there. We all have some sort of suffering in our life. Amen? Now, there's where you can say amen, and there's where you can raise your hand. We have all had suffering. Now, when that suffering comes, when that tough time comes, whatever it is, or that loss, or, or, or that, that hurtness from somebody, when that comes, what is our first thoughts? Prayer? what it should be but I'm afraid that the first question we ask is why why God why would you do this to me God I thought you were good so why am I going through this see and that kind of falls back to that prosperity thing that, that for some reason that we believe that, that we are not supposed to run into anything bad. 
When we become a Christian, that all of a sudden, when we start becoming a believer of Jesus, we start following, that all of a sudden life is going to be good because now we are following the creator of everything. And these prosperity guys would tell you, listen, there, there's, there, is, there is one in Jonesboro that has even written a book. This book is called, it says, it's God's will for you to be healed. I remember I had a gentleman come to me and he said, listen, and he was dealing with some stuff. Uh, had somebody that was very close to him that was struggling with some pain. And, and, and he came to me and he's like, I've been struggling with this. And I stopped and seen this guy and he gave me this book. And he says that us as Christians, that we are not, we're not supposed to have sickness. That nowhere in scripture does it show that any Christian ever got sick after they were saved. Now, my first reaction, because you guys need to understand, I'm, I'm not, sometimes I cannot be pastoral. And sometimes I want to revert back to what my dad always taught me. And I'd look at him, I'd go, are you stupid or something? Really? Would you believe that? So he's like, well, it's in this book. So I said, can I borrow that book for a little bit? So in this book, I go through it, and it's just filled full of lies. Lies. Very first statement, it says that, hey, the very first name that God gave himself and revealed himself to us was God as healer. And it's like, no, that is not when that happened. He did not do that. That's a lie right off the bat. So again, these guys are trying to, uh, they're taking stuff, and they're twisting it however they want to. We're going to have suffering in this life. God uses that. I mean, if we look at Scripture, God uses it to grow us, right? You know, it's a new year. Everybody's got a gym membership this year, right? Have you guys been going for the last week or so? I did until one of my good buddies posted a thing on Facebook about something, and he was like... uh, Resolutioners, resolutioners. So I, I had to quit. No, really, I really I didn't. Don't take that. That young man sitting in here, I don't want him to believe that. I hadn't quit. But listen, that, that's the case, right? We joined the gym, but here's what I want us to get out of that. How many of you guys ever been to the gym or exercise? Let's just say that. Now or 50 years ago? Right? At any time. When we start doing that, what happens? Has anybody been sore the next day? If you go in the next day, it always comes on the second day. Understand that. The good soreness comes the second day. Right? But you know why that is? It's because it's breaking the muscle down. Right? It's putting strain on that muscle, and it's breaking it down. And you know what happens after it gets broke down? It's built back up stronger than it was before. Right? That's what God does. Listen. In order for us to grow, sometimes we got to go through some stuff. In order to learn some things, sometimes we got to go through some stuff. Suffering. God uses it. Listen, you need to understand your trials are tools used to train you. You guys do recall this, right? That we are to look more like Jesus every day. 
That's not going to come without trials. Not going to come without some suffering. Okay? So if you don't believe that, maybe you buy into that prosperity and health and wealth gospel a little bit. Listen, the second thing is who God is. I don't, I don't know when this came along, but, it, well, back in Jesus' day, it kind of was this way. Work hard for God, and he will work hard for you. Be good, and he'll be good to you. Right? How about, you know, sometimes even the, even the church has taught this. That you need to straighten yourself up a little bit, and God will be good to you. That's false. It's false. God was good to you even when you're not good. If you go to Romans 5.8, what does it say? In that while we were yet sinners. Right? While you were still the worst of worst, that's why Christ died for you. Not because you got yourself straightened up a little bit. But somehow we believe in this that, hey, straighten up, fly right. And if you do that, you'll have a good job. You'll be amazed. You'll all of a sudden get a good job. Your marriage will be great. Hey, your kids, they'll probably all be missionaries. You get paid well. It'll just be lovely. Lovely. You'll obtain the American dream. See, and that's false. That's believing in the American Jesus, not the Jesus of Scripture. See, and do we believe that? See, even to a certain extent, we believe that. I'll never forget the the first thing I did when I became saved. I didn't know nothing. I was saved, and the next Monday, you know what I did? I got to quit cussing. Because all of a sudden, I thought, I thought that it was about my behavior. Oh, well, God saved me. Now I got to act right. And it's true. It's true. But the reason he wants you to act right is not so that he can love you, but it's so that you can be holy because he is holy. You see, he wants sanctification for you, and that's a big word. But what that means is he wants the best for you. He really does. And he wants you to live right. And he wants to, he wants to get the things out of your life that's going to cause you trouble. Even when you don't think that they are causing you trouble, he knows better. So, third thing, our worship. Worship, you know, when we come in here, it gets pretty the same every week, right? You, you walk in, you go, okay, we're going to, we're going to, there's going to be a video. There's going to be a welcome. We're, we're going to sing a song. We're going to sit down. We're going to get up. We're going to sit down. We're going to get up. We're going to, we're going to sing. Somebody else is going to pray. Then Rick's going to preach. It's not going to be good someday. Most, anytime, Right? Same thing week in and week out. And we walk out not excited. We walk out really not changed. Now, I'm not going to pick on basketball again this week, all right? I'm going to move over to music this week, all right? Here's, here's, what I, I, we, here's the way we ought to be. When you, walk, when you go to a concert, and any concert, whatever you love, 
You walk in, you're on your feet, you're singing, right? You can't even hardly talk afterwards because you have sang so loud. You have thrown a hand in the air, right? And you walk out of that concert and you're talking with whoever. Man, that was great. Did you, did you hear that, all that one song? Ooh, mm, got me in my feels, right? You young ones will get that. See? Anybody over 55? Look it up on Google, right? Listen. Wait, no, you're going to have to get a book because you don't Google either. No, seriously. Y'all can look it up. Y'all can look it up. But listen, listen, we come out of these concerts, right? And it's just like, man, that was good. I loved it. I, I could, I, and you paid $100 to go there, right? 150 but listen, you come out and you're like, man, that wasn't at the, man, that, that was so exciting. That just, that moved me, right? But then we come to church on Sundays, and it's the same thing week after week, and it's like, man, that was pretty mundane. And I tell you, part of that's the condition of our heart when we walk in. But listen, there is some, there's some reason for that. There's some reason in the ordinary and the mundane. And there is some, re- listen, there are spiritual things happening this morning right now that we don't even see. Right? You know, I, I've seen somebody kind of wave to somebody during a song this morning. And I thought, you know, that's exactly what worship is. You know? And I've said it before. And I'm going to say it again because we have to repeat things a lot of times to get them right. Amen? 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 See, we've got to repeat them sometimes. Listen, but it was one of those, they waved. And, and here's what I thought, that that's exactly what worship's supposed to be. It's going, hey, brother, you were horrible, and God loved you, and he saved you. And he saved me too. Amen. Praise God today, right? We're looking across and going, hey, see that person over there? Man, they're bad. And I am too. But God is good. Man, let's worship today. Right? That's what worship's supposed to be. But listen, God planned all of this. He planned this gathering. Listen, he said in Hebrews, he said, do not forsake the gathering. You know why? Because listen, if we're going to make it through this journey called life, we've got to be together. We've got to live life together. Right? We've got to give them a shoulder to cry on and a, and a foot to get in the rear. Right? We need that. It's worship. Now, here's what happens in worship, though. And i got to hurry up. We're running out of time. Here's what happens in worship. Sometimes we sit back and we go, man, music just wasn't too good today. I didn't really care for it. Preaching wasn't that good either. Man, did you get tired of getting up and getting down? I wish that worship pastor would decide whether we're standing or sitting. I say that because I felt that many ways, many times. And then we start going, you know, man, I'm just not being fed here. Just, God's just not here. I, you know, maybe I need to, maybe I need to look for somewhere else. See, what we start doing is, ooh, I really, you know, that musician wasn't that great. I'm gonna start looking for a better concert. See, and that's what's happening. 
You see, as we, we, we say, hey, we need to go find the perfect church because this one ain't it. Now, here's what I always heard. If you're going to look for a perfect church and you find it, don't join it because you're going to mess it up. Right? And there's truth in that. Listen, there is no perfect church unless we're talking about the big C church, and that's God's church, and it is perfect, even though it has a lot of imperfections. Right? Can we say that about our spouse? There's a lot of imperfections, but boy, I love them. Right? And whoever amen just then is in trouble. Right? But, th- but that, see, that, that's what happens, and we start looking for somewhere else. And we're not supposed to go look for the perfect church. What we're supposed to look for is our perfect faithfulness in the church that we're at. Amen. Right? We're, we're not here to see what can this church offer me. We're supposed to walk in the doors and go, hey, what have I got for this place? What have I got that I can give to this mission? Because you know that, right? That we're not having church just so that we can have church. We're having church because there's a mission happening. God gave it to us 2,000 years ago. And we've got a little piece of it. So, if you get tired with worship and you get tired with that and you start looking for other churches, then maybe you have believed in the prosperity gospel a little bit, that it's all about you. And if you'll notice, through all these things that we're talking about, it's not about God, it's about us. We see that? That when the worship becomes horrible, it's not about God, it's about us. That when the suffering happens, it's about us, it's not about God. And we think that, that God is supposed to take care of us if we believe that there's a contract there that if we do good, God's going to be good to us, then guess who it's about? It's about us. It's not about God. So do we see a problem in the gospel here, in this gospel? Last thing, the object of our affection. Here's what I want to ask you, and we'll try to make this quick. Do you really want to go to heaven? Oh, yeah, I was hoping for that. Right? Because when we say, do you want to go to heaven? We go, yeah, I want to go to heaven. But sometimes I think it's kind of like the country song. Lord, I want to go to heaven. I'm not even going to sing. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go tonight. Right? We say that we want to go to heaven. That singing we were doing a while ago, that's a lot what heaven's going to be like. And by the looks of your faces, you're not going to like heaven. Just saying. <laughs> you better get right now. You better start loving the worship today, right? Here's the question. Do you really want to go to heaven? And before you answer it, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. If you could live forever, just like the Highlander, right? Do you want to live forever? If you could live forever, stay young, have your loved ones around you, and enjoy all the things in life that you enjoy. Good food travel, the lake, the beach, ball games, sports, concerts, hunting, fishing, hot rods, motorcycles, music, anything else that you would put on that list that you love in this world. If you could live forever and have that every day, would you want to leave and go to heaven? Now, hang on. 
Before you answer, here's the other, here's the other thing to that. Here's the catch. You can have no God. No longer can you read your Bible. No longer can you pray. No longer will the Holy Spirit indwell within you. No longer can you come to church. You want to live forever. Now you say no. I'm asking you to dig way down deep in there. And are you lying right now? Because there's some days I'm afraid that I would be lying. I'd be like, uh, I'm right in the middle of something beautiful, you know? I don't know what that'd be, you know? Maybe playing bass, maybe, I don't know. Maybe just doing something I love. Would you want to go right then? You see, would, would, if we had our kids right there, our grandbabies, which is better than kids, right? If I knew grandkids was that good, I'd have done grandkids first. I'm telling you. If you had them right there with you, would you want to go to heaven? Would you go, God, give me, give me more time? See, because there's the problem. Sometimes we can even put our family ahead of God. We can put, we can put, we can put music. We can put food. We can put the lake, the beach. We can put ball games. We can put concerts and the hunting and the fish. We can put all of that before God. To be quite honest, that is our heaven. We would rather do that than to be with God. And I'm not asking you to, to give that answer today. Because somebody sitting beside you may go, no, I'd rather go to heaven. I want to go right now. Lord, go ahead and take me. No, you're just doing that for the guy beside you. Because you're sitting in a place that we call church, which is wrong because you guys are the church. Right? We get caught up in that. And I don't know that we truly want to go to heaven because what is in heaven? God, 24-7, eternity. For all eternity. And if we're not wanting a whole lot with him right now, we sure aren't going to enjoy that later. That was a joke about the worship a while ago, but man, is there not truth in that? That if, that if we do not yearn and want God today, we're going to be in trouble in eternity. Because that's all we're getting. It's more than enough. Right? For those that do love him. For those that do want him. For those that, that that's what we want. So again, if we want a little bit more of these things of the earth, then we may have believed a little bit of a false gospel. If we believe that we're okay to love these things and to put all of them before God here and still go to heaven, we may have believed a false gospel. Jesus never said that. Jesus brought the good news. What did Jesus say? Anyone who come after me, wants to come after me, he's going to have to deny himself, take up his cross, not Jesus' cross, take up his cross, right? That means your struggles. That means your pain. That means your trials of this life. You're going to have to take those up daily. Follow him. That's what Jesus said. So, there we are. Right? 
There we are. Where would you rather be? Here in the stuff you love or in heaven? Now, I'm going to say this. I do love being here and I love serving God, right? And I'm going to miss, I think, I think, maybe not. No, because I'll probably be, I'm going to be with God. I ain't going to need anything else. But I do love serving God here. Right? Think of the person that done the biggest thing for you in this life. Do you not cherish them? Do you not love them? Right? Do you, those that took care of that's the way I think. Jesus did pay the ultimate price for me. So I love serving him now. And I'm not scared to do anything for him. Right? So again, I just want you to sit right where you're at today. Because I want you to be comfortable. I want you to be comfortable when you start evaluating your own heart. And I want you to go back to those questions that we asked. Now listen, in that, if in the quietness of these next few moments or in the loudness of this next week, if God continues to, to impress something on you, uh, maybe that I don't know, maybe you get the sense of, God, I have believed in just a falseness. God, I hadn't been following you. God, I hadn't picked up my own cross. God, I I hadn't been been denying myself anything. If he kind of impresses that on you, here's what he loves. How many of us love when our kids come to us and go, Dad, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I messed this up. What do we do? We're quick to forgive, right? Should be. But we ought to look at him and go, okay, son, still love you. Just don't do that no more. You know it's going to hurt you. That's what, that's what Jesus does to us. When we come to that moment, we think, we, we, have, we have messed up. God, I have, I have, I have not been living. I've not been, my life doesn't reflect what you did for me. I think all he wants from him in that moment is, I'm sorry. And I don't want to live that way no more. Help me not to live that way no more. And I think it's in that moment he says, forgiven, let's move on, let's still work on it. Okay? So with every head bowed, our eyes closed, so that nobody sees us. Now is the moment I want you to just Reflect on anything today, whether it was something from a worship song, whether it was something from a prayer today. Pray that, pray that God changes something in you in this moment, that you don't walk out the doors the same way that you walked in. That's what he wants. He loves for us to grow towards him. So God... God, in this moment, we have, we have worshipped you as best as we could, we hope. God, we have proclaimed your word as best as we know how. God, we collectively as a church want to open our hearts up in this moment for you to do something. 
May we say that as a church. May we give him, may we give him the right to come in and do what he wishes in our hearts in this moment.